Open up the word of the Lord for, to Luke chapter 2. We'll read from verses 8 to 12. It was um, an elderly gentleman and his wife. Um, they called uh, their children. First they called the son in New York. And the father, he tells uh, his son, I hate to ruin your day, but I have to tell you that your mother and I are divorcing. After 45 years of misery, it's enough. I can't take it anymore. And so the son, he got excited and worried, and he said, Pop, what, you're, you know, what are you talking about? You can't do that. You can't divorce mom after all these years. And he, he said, that's crazy. You just simply can't do it. And uh, the father said, it doesn't make a difference. I'm going to tell her on this Christmas day. So it will be the last Christmas that I spend together with your mother. So then the son calls the sister, and she was in another part of the, the nation, and he tells her that, and she says, whoa, you know, they're not getting a divorce, no way, so I'm going to fly there myself. Actually, both of us need to fly, you know, home, and, and, you know, we need to put them in their place. So they called the father, said, don't you do anything until we get there. You know, this, this, this just simply cannot happen. So uh, after she hangs up, the old man hangs up the phone, and he turns to his wife, smiling, he says, okay, they're coming for Christmas. And they're paying their own way. She says, now, what do we tell them for Easter? <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> I was going to say another joke, but in the first service, they, they shouted it down. That's right. They said, uh, huh? Are you guys going to shout it down? Huh? All right. All right, fine, I'll say it. There's, there's this uh, couple, they're, in, they're deeply in love, and they visited a mall where they're both passionate about this mall, a lot of special times, and then there's a jewelry store that was very precious to them. And then as they're getting closer, uh, the boyfriend tells the girlfriend, his beloved, he says, remember the jewelry store? She says, yeah, I remember it. Because they had gone there, and they had uh, looked at a potential ring for her. Uh, you know, for her to get engaged and get married. So you remember the rings? Yeah, I do remember it. And, and, you know, she started getting excited because he started talking this type of language, you know. And he says, remember the, how beautiful the jewelry is, how, how beautiful the diamonds is? Yeah. You remember what we said? Yeah, absolutely. Re remember what we said we would do when we come back? Yeah, absolutely. Now she's in tears. She's excited. And, and she's ready to go, you know. And she's, she's uh, really believes that this is the moment. You remember, remember that? Yeah. He says, good. So while you continue shopping, I will be in the bar right next to the jewelry. So when you finish, I'll be right over there. We, you can pick me up later. I didn't want to say it, but you made me say it. That's one of the ways not to present a ring to your wife, all right, guys? Don't go shopping that way. All right, Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 12. The word of the Lord says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring to you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Isn't it interesting? They were afraid of the angel. So many people say, yeah, I saw an angel. I saw an angel. Let me tell you something. If you see a real angel, 
you will be afraid. Because they're huge. They're warlike. They are amazing. They're powerful. In the scripture, when people saw an angel, they would be afraid. Some of, some of the people that saw the angel, including some of the apostles that would actually see an angel, they'd fall dead, like, like a dead man. They would lose all strength in their body. These angelic be beings are majestic. All right? And then another thing it says here, he came to bring good tidings of great joy. So it was something to be good, something to be enjoyed, something to celebrate, and it was for all people. Not just for a certain section of people, not for a certain group, not just for a certain area. It was to all people. Say to your neighbor, all people. All people. Amen. And it says, for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths. See, any time you're about ready to enter into a new season, God will mark it with something sharp, with something distinct. And the fact that this was a baby, it was a new season, a new life, something new was about to happen. God was marking it, and he was saying, behold this season, and here is going to be the sign of your season. And, and to many, the year 2012 was a very difficult time. Well, I'm here to tell you, even during Christmas, that we're about ready to enter into a new season, a new time. And guess what? I have good tidings for you. I know in the year 2012, we had a lot of difficult tidings. A lot of strong things that happen, but I have good tidings for you Amen. in this new season. And then suddenly, for confirmation, there was, uh, with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying this to them, but they were saying it to all people. They were saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. This season was going to initiate a season of peace and goodwill toward men. And boy, do we need a season of peace as a nation, because we, we've had a, very, a series of very difficult times. Today, as we consider this amazing season, we need to realize that a great war, a great war was fought for our redemption. This was Jesus' mission, and he fought like the champion that he is, and he won the battle. So whatever the scripture has for us is fact. It's, it's um, something that we have right to, because we overcame in him. And this is why the angel, in the first place, told the shepherds that it was good news. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19, it says, It was God personally present in Christ that was reconciling and restoring the world to favor with himself. Not counting or holding against men their trespasses, but canceling them. And what I love about Almighty God is what he did on the cross was not just forgive us the way we forgive, because many times we forgive, but we don't forget. When God forgave, he canceled our trespasses. There's a legal term which means to get rid of completely. It's expunge. He expunged our trespasses. So there's no record of them in heaven right now. Praise God. So that is a great thing for you and I to know. Now, even though men and women might hold our past against us, God doesn't hold our past against us. And on the contrary, all he sees is Jesus in us. He loves us like he loves his son Jesus. Actually, he went further. He adopted us into his family, so now we're family just like Jesus. And because of that, Jesus becomes our elder brother. Wow. Now, I don't know about you. But I was talking in the earlier service, I was saying how many actors today are getting into this thing of 
including their children in their movies. Isn't that amazing? You don't have to pay a price. You don't have to be in Hollywood 10, 20 years doing little Mickey Mouse B and C level movies. You could just go right into the big movie right away, the big show. Why? Because it's not a relationship. How many of you know who Jaden is? Why? He shouldn't, he shouldn't be famous yet. But he's got connections. See, it's Will, Will Smith's son, Jaden. He's already in the big show. Why? Because daddy has it that way. You got it? Well, guess what? My daddy is almighty God. And I'm his son. And you're his son, you're his daughter. You have it that way. The, his grace is your grace. The power that flows in heaven is residing in you. Glory to God. His favor is residing in you. He adopted us into his family. It's not just, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus. No, no. When you receive the Lord Jesus Christ, he adopts you into his family. There is a transfer. He gives you his name. He gives you his character. He gives you his nature. So I celebrate that. So wherever I go, I know that I look like a mere mortal. But I'm actually a prince. My kingdom is the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. I live on this earth, but the true kingdom I belong to is the kingdom of God. I'm a permanent, eternal being living a temporary existence here on earth. I am a child of God. Say to your neighbor, we are children of God. Amen. And verse 20 says, we are also Christ's ambassadors. God making his appeal as if it were through us. We as Christ's personal representatives beg you for his sake to lay hold of the divine favor now offered you and be reconciled to God. So right now, we're also ambassadors. An ambassador, very simply, is a person that represents a nation. And you know, ambassadors, they dress well. I, I live where ambassadors live, I, right in the area. I have ambassadors in the building that, where I live and work. And these people, I mean, they live well. They get great apartments. They, they um, are taken care of. And it doesn't make a difference where they go. The economy of the nations that they go to don't affect them. They have their own economy. When they go into foreign soil, it's as if it were, as if it were the nation that they belong to goes with them. They have their own building. They have their own food. They have their own economy. If they show up to a place that's depressed economically, the finance of the company that sends them goes with them. Uh, <clears throat> I go back to the verse. God calls us His ambassadors. So the point is, the economy is not... Conti- or rather, my... My life and my lifestyle is not contingent upon the place where I live. Because my economy comes from Almighty God. As an ambassador, He sends me. He sends me with wisdom. He sends me with a unique understanding that will bring life to that economy that I go to, to that place where I go to, to that region where I go to. So tell your neighbor, neighbor, I have my own environment. I walk And the kingdom of God is with me. Hallelujah. And part of the economy of God is the joy of the Lord. So wherever I go, it doesn't make a difference if it's depressed. I bring the joy. I bring the peace. Hallelujah. If you don't understand, I'm going through a hard time. Well, let the kingdom of God affect you. Let the Holy Spirit that's already within you touch you and impact you. Let His joy overflow in you. 
Let His grace overflow in you. The thing is, is it's very hard if you come from a humble place and suddenly they make you an ambassador. Ambassadors need to be trained. They, they need to be prepared. You don't just send, okay, effective immediately, you're my ambassador. No, it doesn't work that way. You have to go to ambassador school. Yeah, they teach you how to walk, how to talk. You don't just speak any old thing. Another thing about ambassadors, they're not allowed to lose their temper. They're not allowed to speak just whatever they want. They have a, they have a, a specific message that they come to bring. Their message is prepared. The message actually... It's as if the king himself or the president himself was saying it. That's how powerful the message on the voice of the ambassador is. Hallelujah. So that's why now that you're an ambassador for Christ, you have to realize how powerful your language is, your voice is. We can't just be saying anything. I feel this way, so I'm going to talk this way. I'm going to do whatever. No, no. Now I walk as an ambassador. I talk as an ambassador. When I speak, life and death comes from my mouth. Wow. Wow. So you have the opportunity to start bringing life wherever you go. To start bringing life to whoever you meet, to whoever you speak to. Why? Because you have the power of the ambassadorship on your shoulders. Glory to God. And then in verse 21 it says, For our sakes he made Christ virtually to be sin, who knew no sin, so so that in and through him we might become endued with, viewed as being in, and examples of the righteousness of God. What we ought to be approved and acceptable in the right relationship with him by his goodness. So people of God, Jesus on the cross took our sin. For that moment, he became sin so that the righteousness of God might be imputed to you. So when you go before God, the enemy will say, yeah, he was this, he was that, she was this, she was that. And God looks, he doesn't see you. He sees Jesus in you. Hallelujah. He says, that one, that person's clean. In this year, we experienced several profound events that have made us realize that we really can't trust in things the way they are. We thought at one point that we could trust the economy. How many of you know you can't trust the economy today? I don't know what to invest in. Because everything goes up and down. You know why? It's manipulated continuously. We can't trust our economy. Guess what? You can't trust the weather. We found out this year, at any given time, whenever the weather feels like it, it's going to show up. And today, or rather this year, it showed up. Places where we never thought would be impacted, right now, people have lost homes, they've lost things, they've lost jobs, because businesses have had to close down. Why? Because weather decided to behave whichever way it wanted to. And it's amazing to me, because Hollywood many times uh, is somewhat of a forerunner to things that are about to happen. Sometimes Hollywood, without realizing, prophesies. And even this year, they had made a movie, 2012. They had made other movies. I don't know if you watch sci-fi and other channels like that. They're constantly showing disaster movies. What's what's up with that? It's amazing to me. And then suddenly, we get a situation like like Sandy that suddenly, in a city like New York, New York never gets things like that. I live right next to the 34th Street Tunnel. I live between 1st and 2nd Avenue. And I saw... First Avenue flooded. Blew me away. First Avenue underwater. I've never seen that before. The tunnel, I'm talking about, you want to go deep sea diving? Just go right into the tunnel. Blew me away. I had never seen that before. We can't trust the weather. We can't trust that our homes will always be there. We can't trust that our jobs will always be there. 
Those people in, in, uh, in Staten Island, in the Jersey Shore, in Long Island, uh, the Rockaways, beautiful homes. They've been there 30, 40, 50 years, suddenly gone. How many countless times that I saw on TV people sharing, I've been in this home for 50 years. My grandmother lived in this home, and now it's all gone. Yeah, at any given time, these things can be taken away from us. Another thing we learned just the other day, our security really is, is a fallacy. We think we're secure, and yet we're not. At, every, at any given moment, somebody could hack into your email. Somebody can hack into your bank account. At any given moment, somebody can hack into your house to have the security system. Just the other day, we saw a tragedy where somebody broke into one of the most safest places, schools for crying out loud, and took away from us that feeling that we're safe as a nation. At any given time, something can happen. Truly, we live in a world where evil does exist. So we must be vigilant. Each and every moment. But see, I didn't come to, to suffer that over and over again. I came to tell you that the Lord said, don't be afraid. The Bible makes it very clear. In the midst of perplexing times, God is ever present with us. He's present with us to help us and to restore what the enemy or even circumstances might temporarily take from us. You see, the more this nation pushes God away, the more they're going to experience things like this. And you say, well, you know, that's a terrible thing to say. What you say, God is punishing? No. What happens is God wants to protect us from the evil that he knows is here. But we push God away. God is a gentleman. He goes, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll stay on standby. Meanwhile, all the mess is happening and his protection is right here waiting. How many of you, you're trying to help a person and the person says, get out of here. I don't need you. Get out of here. Go, go, go away. Oh, listen, I'm just, get away. Leave me alone. I don't want you. You're still going to help? No, you after a while, you go, all right. As much as I want to help, I'm trying to give you an information you don't know. All right, fine. I'll be, st- I'll be, I'll be over here. Most of us will say, ayaute entonces. <laughs> Later for you then. Is it true or is it just me? Uh, you know, God's still working on me. You know what I mean? After a while, if somebody doesn't want my help, I just sort of like pack up and leave. But Almighty God remains on standby. You call on Him again and His mercy extends once again. So we have to understand the more we push God away from schools, the more we push God away from the central square, the more we push God from our personal lives. God is there still. He's he's on standby. He's waiting for you to just, God, okay, I want to partner with you in life. I need your help. Amen. Second Chronicles makes it very clear. It says, he told King Jehoshaphat this. Jehoshaphat, listen. You and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says. Say that with me. This is what the Lord says. It's not what Channel 7 says. It's not what Hollywood says. This is what the Lord says. He says, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. See, when you get this principle in your spirit, man, that God already fought the battle for you, all you need to do is partner with Him. And when you see trouble, you pray to Him but not pray that, oh, God, help me. So, Father, here's some issues. Here's some trouble. Lord, I pray send your power, send your angels. You pray as an ambassador. Then what will happen is God releases the power that's there already on your behalf. And as you intercede for others, God releases the power for them because you spoke, because you prayed, because you stood in the gap. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Hebrews 13 
says it this way, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content for such things as you have. For he himself said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He's always with us. He's with us in the good times. He's with us in the bad times, in the difficult times. Jesus made it very clear. In life, you will go through troubles. He says, but don't worry. I've overcome the world. John 3.16 says it this way. For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world, which means every single person on it, not the buildings, not the land, the people in it, that he, even he, gave up his only begotten unique son so that whoever believes or trusts and clings to relies on him shall not perish, shall not come to destruction, shall not be lost, but have ed- eternal everlasting life. For God did not send the son into the world in order to judge or reject or condemn or to pass sentence on the world, but that the world might find salvation and be made safe and sound through him. For God so loved that he gave that whoever believes in him, see, that word believe, trust in him, partners with him. And that's the key. God's not asking you to do what he already did. He's just asking you to trust him. He's asking you to believe in him. He's asking you to let him into your life because God doesn't want anything else except a family. He's completing himself, but he's seeking a family, an ever-growing family of those that would love him enough to receive what he, by love and, and by extension, the love of God through Christ comes to you and to me. Another thing about Almighty God and, and, and the fact that he already took care of us is in Psalms 34, 7, it says that the angel of the Lord encamps round about those who fear him and delivers them. I said earlier that angels are amazingly large creatures. They're probably anywhere from 9 to 12 feet, but they're powerful they're amazing. They have a lot of strengths. And would you believe it? God said that angels encamp around about us. Every day when I get up, I thank God because I know angels are with me. Amen. There are things that should have happened to me. There are things that would have happened to me, but they didn't because I know angels encamp around about us. Amen. Hallelujah. I've had people even come to me, people that, you know, they... I guess some people can actually sense stuff in the spirit. They've come to, you know, there's an aura around you. There's a presence around you. You have something shining around you. I know it's the angel of the Lord. doesn't impress me that they're telling me that. I know that already. Hallelujah. And you should know that too. The minute you leave this building, the angel goes with you. At home, the angel is with you. At school, at work, the angel encamps round about you. What for? To deliver you, to protect you, to help you. Glory to God. And Ephesians chapter 3 verse 18 says this, And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep His love really is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is so great that you'll never really fully understand it. But then you'll be filled with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. May you, lo- may you know His love today. Say to your neighbor, You know neighbor? You need to allow God to open your eyes so you could see how much He loves you. Hallelujah. So in that light, let me just give you a couple of things that you should be reminded of in this season. First thing in this season, be reminded that God in Christ manifested His love for you. You know, I always heard that when I was a kid. God loves you, God loves you, God loves you. But when I understood that God loves me personally... That's when it had greater meaning. You know, God loves you. That's a generic statement. But God loves 
you personally, individually. And then he said this, which blew me away, because now as a believer, he gave me a very high standard to live. In John 15, verse 12, it says this, My command is this, Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. You know, I don't mind when God says to love my neighbor. I can love my neighbor. Hey, listen, I love my car. I love my dogs, right? You know, when I had a dog, I loved my dog. The dog bit me, so I sold him. <laughs> but you know, there's a, a limited type of love that we have for stuff. Some of you love the basketball game. What time today? The football game? Huh? Giants, you know, some of you love the Giants. I won't mention the other ones, the Jays. I won't mention those. They're in transition right now. But even that love is limited. But I can do that. It's, there's, there's, it's almost like no commitment there. But when God tells me, love each other as I have loved you. Oh man, Jesus, you have to mess it up. The love of Christ is all the way up here. For me to love you <laughs> the way he loves me, that's hard. Because sometimes I don't like you very much. Sometimes you don't like me very much. But the bottom line is that by the Spirit of God, the same love that was shed abroad in our hearts, now we can also return. And we can love even the unlovable. Why? Because He loved us in our mess. Praise God. And in this season, we need to be reminded that the love of God wants to flow through you to somebody that needs your love right now. You might be thinking about it in your mind's eye. Him? Her? I have a hard time. And some of you have a problem with your own family. Because things happen in families and great difficulty happens and happens in family. And for you to love your family like Christ loves you, wow, what a concept. But yet, that's what God is calling us to do in this day. Not only be reminded of it, but release the love of God in this season to your friends and family members. Let this season also remind you that His love for you will work out all things for good. In Romans 8, 28, we know that all things uh, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Wow. The word there, love, is the word agape, which means to love you, not just the person, but also to love you in a way where God takes care of you physically, your spirit man, your soul, and even takes care of you socially. So God's concerned about your soul, but he's also concerned about your home. He's concerned about, you know, if you lost anything this, this, in this season. Anybody here lost a home, lost an apartment, lost things? Yeah, we, we lost some stuff. Well, you know, God's concerned about that. Some people lost pictures and things that are very precious to them. God's concerned even about that. It's amazing how concerned God is about us. And he says, make it very clear that even in the hard things, he'll work it out. Something will happen. God will turn that thing around for your good and for your benefit. Amen. Amen. Praise God. And we thank God for that. Let this season also remind you that, that God has prepared wonderful things for you and your family. But here's the catch. You can only know it and understand it. It's almost like um, you're, you're, you're going to get a promotion now and your boss is telling you, listen, now I'm going to have you work here. Now you're the supervisor. Now come into a meeting. Because I'm going to talk to you about things that the rest of the corporation doesn't know. Just this level of people know. So they bring you in and they inform you about things you did not know before. Sometimes it happens in the military. 
Sometimes our president, he won't share on TV what he's talking about with his cabinet. And by necessity, it has to remain uh, unknown until, or classified, is a better word, classified until such time as it can be released. Well, God has some classified information for you. And he'll, he'll give it to you, but only as you develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit. So you can't just be walking down the street and just, you know, and suddenly, boom, you got the wisdom and the understanding. No, it will only come by relationship. And I understand that type of relationship because as a married man, my wife and I speak about things that you guys will never find out about. Because it's private between her and I. You don't need, it's not your business. Right? I mean, I'm not insulting you, it's just not your business. It's her business and my business. Right? Sometimes we, we don't even talk to our kids the things that we share. Because it's our business and our business alone. Well, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, it says, what is it that the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him? I mean, you heard that, right? Yeah. So there are things we can't find out because God won't share it. No, wait to the latter part of the verse. It says this, but we know these things. Because God has revealed them to us by His Spirit. And His Spirit searches out everything and shows us even God's deep secrets. Wow. No one can know what anyone else is thinking except that person alone. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own Spirit. And God has actually given us His Spirit, not the world Spirit, so that we can know the wonderful things that God has freely given us. Wow. Do you want a relationship with the Holy Ghost? The answer is absolutely. We need that relationship. And God is about ready to release wisdom for the year 2013. We often think of the number 13 as a bad luck number. Anybody here ever encountered that? Where somebody said 13 is a bad luck number? Anybody? One person in the back. Everybody else is oblivious, right? Well, think about it. Is that really true? The answer is no. Is that somebody, maybe a, a, a specific religion or, or I don't know, somebody in, in times past declared that it was a bad luck number or it was a number that didn't belong to the righteous. It belonged to the dark order, the dark world, so, so to speak. And it's continually perpetuated. Even buildings today, you can't go to the 13th floor because the 13th floor does not exist. And all that is superstition, we call it, right? But it goes beyond that. It's people confessing that something is. And again, the power of the tongue. Yet the Bible tells me, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice. I will be glad in it. So I have the power to declare that this day is a day of blessing. Amen. The scripture declares the year of the Lord's favor. And I, I'm just in the mood of declaring the year 2013, the year of the Lord's favor for you and for me. Hallelujah. So even in this, I believe that in the coming days, people get ready. Because the Spirit of God is going to start showing you things, how to prosper in the year 2013. How to be able to share your faith in a time where people are becoming increasingly intolerant of Christianity. Really, even in 42nd Street right now, there's one sign that some atheist group put up. It says, um, keep the jolly and get rid of the myth. And the jolly is Santa Claus. And the myth is supposedly Jesus Christ. With all due respect to these atheists, 
you know, it's America and they, you know, freedom of speech thing. Uh, right now it's limited because if you talk about Jesus in some squares, they will absolutely pummel you. They're just afraid of it. They can't take it. They can't take the power of the name. But the bottom line is, if I were to look at Santa Claus and look at Jesus, for me, Jesus is the real one. And Santa Claus is the myth. But somehow or another, they're trying to turn this thing upside down. And I understand it's not really even the human beings that are doing it. They're, they're, they're being pushed by the, the spirit of Antichrist, the, the spirit of the age. They don't even understand why they're doing this. Why in the world do you want to spend twenty, thirty thousand dollars forty, fifty thousand dollars to try to prove that Jesus is a myth? When in fact, history bears out witness that he lived. History, the actual history bears witness that he lived his life. That he was born in a specific place. That these people actually lived. History bears out witness that the scripture is a series of, of, I don't know, something like 40 books that uh, 40 authors wrote in different periods of time in history. Over 1,500 years of time, these 40 40 authors wrote these, uh, 66 books? Yeah, thank you. And, And... the book agrees with the books agree with each other and talk about one Messiah. Yes. Amazing. And then when Jesus came uh, in his earthly ministry, he used those books to refer the fact that he was the Messiah. Amen. And after Jesus went to the Father, the apostles spoke about these Old Testament books. They were not books, they were letters given to different people talking about the Messiah. Amen. This is fact. Yes. They have they found these scrolls, and the scrolls are old. They are real. Where in the world? Can you show me a picture of the real Santa Claus? Can you bring Santa Claus here, please? I bet you if I pull his beard, he'll fall right off. I bet you if I punch him in his stomach, the the pillow will fall on the floor. I bet you he doesn't have any reindeer. And if he did have reindeer, one of the reindeers, I'm sure none of them have red noses. I said real reindeer. (laughs) But you know, we are so eager, and I'm not saying here, I'm saying many people are so eager to chase after the lie because the bottom line, at the end of the day, what it is, is that if you realize it's true and you realize the word of God is true and if you realize the word of God is true, then we are creations of Almighty God. And at the end of the day, we owe Him. We're responsible to Him. We're accountable to Him. And that's what we don't want. We want to live like whichever way we want. And then when things get happened, then we want to blame God. It doesn't, can't, can't be both ways. Either we invite him all the time, or you can't, after, after you do whatever you please, then when the mess hits, you can't just blame him. And that's what today's society, not society, but certain key people are trying to create. And it's not going to work. It never worked. It will never work that way. God's looking for a family. Say to your neighbor, he's looking for a family. And then we, we don't need to fear our enemies. We don't need to fear circumstances and situations. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. You have power. Say to your neighbor, you have power. Yeah. Amen. And then it says, we have a spirit of love, so we can overcome evil with love. And it says, we have a spirit of a sound mind. So whenever the enemy tries to attack your mind, you can immediately declare, I have a sound mind. 
I'm not going to allow worry to get in there. I'm not going to allow doubt. I'm not going to allow confusion. I cast out all confusion because I have a sound mind by His power. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let the season remind you that His love has provided you with a family on earth that reflects His love. This is why the enemy many times attacks the church. He attacks it so hard and he tries to discredit this amazing community. Yes, we're imperfect. Yes, the church is filled with hypocrites. You, you, you often heard that? I don't go to church, you know, hypocrites. Yeah, because it's a hospital. We're here being healed. We're here asking God to help us. Absolutely. But it's in this amazing community that, what God, that God works. I got that right at the end. God works in this amazing community, the church. It call, it, actually, one of the names of it is called His body. You are the body of Christ. Each one of you are connected uh, to a beautiful, powerful body. But wouldn't it be amazing if you saw Victor's body running in the streets, like my head running that way, and then both of my hands running the other way, and then suddenly my legs just over there. And me, my, my torso is still here. It doesn't work that way. A body can only function in unity. You see, and God was saying, I'm bringing you together because my spirit is going to manifest there and I'm going to give you instructions and directions and peace and connection and relationships that are going to bring forth joy, that are going to bring forth peace, that's going to bring multiplication. Hallelujah. Going to bring provision. Glory to God. This congregation, we together have been able to do what I individually would have never been able to do. This season, we have blessed pastors that have gone through difficulty. We have blessed people that have lost things. This congregation this year has helped people to get jobs. They help people to get connected. Why? Because two are better than one. And a threefold cord cannot quickly be broken. So praise God for the body of Christ. In Hebrews chapter 10 verse 23 it says, Think of ways to encourage one another to outbursts of love and good deeds. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. But encourage and warn each other, especially now that the day of his coming back again is drawing near. Have you ever heard anybody say, I don't go to church. I listen to the TV evangelist. You know, I go to church on TV. You know, not for nothing. But I don't want my preacher, you know, putting his hand on the screen. And uh, what am I going to do? Put my head on the screen? I still am not going to get a touch. I'm not going to get no oil. I want some oil. Give me oil. Amen. My wife and I, we have a great relationship. But imagine if I could only see her over TV. Hi, honey. How you doing? All right. Yeah. Give me a kiss. I can't kiss her. I want to kiss. You can't have a relationship that way. See, I can see all of you. I, I, I can feel, yeah, human beings, real. Amen. You can love on me. If I'm crying, you can hug me. If I'm excited, I can share good news with you. And you'll actually talk back. How many of you talk to the TV? Especially during sports time. The guys. Why you miss that catch? And you ladies with the novelas. Yeah, the bottom line is it's, it's not going to talk back. You can't have a relationship with that. And you know, that it's, it's becoming endemic. More and more... People are losing their ability to relate to people. There are kids on the table, on the breakfast table, that won't talk to each other, but they will tweet each other. They will send instant messages. How's your eggs? I don't know, not too good today. Yeah. 
Meanwhile, they're right, like, right there. Get touching my ear. It's like we're losing our ability to relate to each other. The other day, I got in an elevator, and as soon, <laughs> and as, soon as I got in the elevator, there were like four more people. And I went, and I had my phone, you know, I'm at work. I get in the elevator. As soon as I get in there, press one, I start. And then I realized it hit me. I went and I looked, I looked, and all four people, together with me, five people were on a, I went, oh, come on, guys, look, look, look what we're doing. And they all started laughing because we got it. So it's almost like we're losing in the old days. You get in an elevator or train, you, good morning, morning, good morning, morning, morning. But now it's like, psh, 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 psh. We're losing our ability to relate. But the body of Christ keeps us grounded. You know, I mean, this thing is not going to do anything for me. If I get in trouble, if, I get a, if somebody comes to hit me, this thing is not going to jump out of the car. Whoa! It's not going to do it. But I, if I have Nate next to me, Nate was, oh, you're going to mess with my pastor. Right? right, Nate? You got my back, right? Come on. Yeah, I don't have to worry about a thing, man. Glory to God. I know you do. I know you do. And lastly, let this season remind you of its true reason. God wants to make us part of his family. That's why the angel made it very clear. He said, don't be afraid. I have good tidings for you. I have good news for you. News that's going to produce great joy. Isn't it joyful when, when a child that doesn't have a family suddenly gets connected to a big family? I was raised um, in a family where my parents worked from 4 to 12, and I worked from, I went to school from 8 to 3. So when I got home, my parents were already on their way to work. So I had a brother, younger brother, I have a younger brother, and he was six years younger than me. Still six years younger than me. But in that, in that time, I was already a teenager, and he was a, you know, a little sloppy, wet, you know, under-the-nose kid, right? And he was very annoying to me. Because he'd break into my room and look at all my stuff. And I'm already a teenager. I don't want nobody messing with my stuff. So my parents weren't there, so he couldn't keep them away. And then I had magic tricks. I had all that other good stuff. He'd break in and find out all my secrets. Couldn't stand that guy, man. What's the matter with you? You know? And, you know, I'm looking at that. But what I remember one day, my parents said, we've got to get this kid out for summer. So they sent me to something called the Fresh Air Fund. And... I went two weeks to Pennsylvania, to Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And I, I went with a family that had six children. Oh, man, that was heaven. I had so much fun with these semi-Amish kids. I mean, you know, it was hard because to take a shower, they would actually fill the tub for you like maybe a sixteenth of the way. And the first day I got there, I was taking a, you know, I filled it up and I'm taking a shower. And they came in and said, Okay, Victor, next time we're going to teach you how we take a shower here. So I had to learn how to take a shower with this much water. But they had food and food in abundance. And, and the kids, we would play out by the train tracks and with all the grass and the cows and all that other stuff. In the morning, woo, you got a whiff of that thing. It's great to be alive in the morning over there. But it was so different for me. I felt the power of family, the, the power of being part of a beautiful family for two weeks. It was like heaven on earth for me. Then I came back. And my annoying young brother. I mean, I'm talking to you from a 12, 13-year-old. You understand? I love my brother. But during that time, my parents weren't there. So I didn't feel 
you know, they had to work. And unfortunately, they had four to 12. So who was there? Uh, like a, a nana. You know, it was not grandma. It was a lady that, you know, she, now I look back and say, thank God for her. But she could not fill that void. And I remember they called me back two weeks in the Christmas season. So I went back and, and I met my new friends again. We had such a marvelous time. That impacted me so much that when I was about 38, 39 years old, I went to, um, to Lancaster with my wife and children. And suddenly, I'm in the hotel room and I said, you know, honey, I'm going to do something insane. I remember a family when I was a child. I was like about 12 years old. And I'm going to call 411, see if they're still around. And I did. I went, do, 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 do. Yes, hello. Yeah, my name is Victor Nazario, and I would like to speak to Carl and Margaret Foltz. Do you have their number? Let me check. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's so, so, you know, whatever number. And I went, same number? Could it be? All right. So I, do, 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 do. now I'm, my hairs are standing on end. I was saying, this is getting weird. So then a lady picks up. I says, hi, uh, is, is this Margaret Foltz? And because it sounded like her. And I remembered, I'm in my late 30s, and I'm remembering the voice when I was a child. So, is this Margaret Foster? Is that you, Victor? This really happened. She remembered me. I said, yes, this is Victor Nazari from New York City. Oh, yeah, it's so wonderful. We've been praying for you for all these years. So while I was 12, I had people praying for me in Pennsylvania. A family that I did not even really know. Praise God. So when I think about the family of God, that's part of my family. They were praying for me. They would do this as a ministry. They would take young urban uh, children, bring them over to the country, and while they're letting them play and have a great time and feed them, they would pray for them. And they had my name on a list. The body of Christ. So I was blown away. Now my wife and children are looking at me and they're saying, what's the matter with daddy? Because I became like a little child again. I said, you don't understand. This is my fresh air fun family. I had never spoken to them about it before. It just hit me that moment to call them. We went to the house. Some of the kids came over. And, and now, of course, the, the house, I don't know what happened to it. It shrunk. <laughs> Got a lot smaller. The whole area was a lot smaller. Yeah, but I had so much fun. And it was all about family. And that was, that's what God is doing. He's calling us home. He's saying, my son, my daughter, I want to bring you to my home. I have a lot of good things for you. I want to take care of you. I, w- I want to walk with you. I want, not only that, I have other children that don't know it yet. But I want to adopt them also. And I want to work with you, us working together to reach out to them too. So the good news is, who was born on that day? Nothing less than our beloved Messiah, our Savior, our God in Christ, reconciling you and me back to Him. We now become part of that family. He gives us his spirit, his love, his provision, and his name. That was the great news. And that is great news indeed. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Give him some praise. Hallelujah. So as we consider this um, Christmas celebration, as we go into, I guess in a couple of days, what, Tuesday? It's actually Christmas? So I want you to take it with a twist. It's not just about just giving gifts. How about you give the gift? Almighty God in Christ, reconciling the the world to himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. Make sure you share Jesus this week. Make sure you share with somebody because you don't know how they're going to respond. Make sure you pray for some because you don't know how it impacts them. Look how it impacted me. In my late 30s, I found out that I had people praying for me. And that happened when I was 12. When I was 15, I came to saving faith in Christ. But 
there was prayer being sent up to heaven for me all those years. I didn't even know it. Well, now it's our turn to pray for someone else. Because Jesus loves us even before we come to the, the fold, so to speak. He knew you before you were ever born. And it's the same thing with your boss, same thing with your brothers and sisters, your cousins, your aunts, your uncles, same thing with your neighbors. Praise God. So let's be Christ's ambassador in this Christmas season. Who was born? Our Lord and Savior.